Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book, Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Tonight I want to talk about the necessity of understanding. Everybody say that with me. The necessity of understanding. So it's one thing to have ears to hear, but it's, one, uh, it, it's, it's all right to hear, but do we really understand? So I want to pick up this whole theme of understanding tonight. And uh, so let's read Matthew 13, and I'll pick up in verse 9 uh, through to... Se- uh, through to oh, let's, um, let's see, yes, 9 through to about uh, verse 19 again. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they, what? Neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, so Isaiah which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. So having ears to hear, and yet, though they heard, they didn't understand. So that's the whole thing we want to talk, uh, understanding. And seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and should hear with their understanding, and should. Everybody say it understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. Okay, so hearing the word of the kingdom and understanding it not. So the key word is understanding. Like, I want you to notice this, this word understand in this chapter, and there's one verse uh, down, uh, verse 52. So notice in verse 13, so the whole uh, thing I want to talk to you about tonight is the necessity of understanding. So first of all, having ears to hear, but we can hear and yet not understand. So the whole necessity of understanding. And as we proceed into the parables, beginning next week with the first parable, I, I am just praying that the spirit of wisdom and understanding will be upon us and that there won't be a communication gap between myself and you and, and some of the heavy things we'll be getting into in the parables here. All right, so uh, the word understanding is used six times in this chapter. And the, the, the whole Greek meaning of the word, I'm not going to try and pronounce the Greek word, but it actually has the thought of putting together or mentally to comprehend. So hearing and understanding, when any, anyone hears the word, not just the word, but in this case what we're talking about, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so it's a special type of word, kingdom word, and what's involved in that. So it actually means to put together, to mentally comprehend, and it's made up of two words here, Webster's Dictionary puts it this way, understand, understand, and the sense is to support or hold in the mind to comprehend, to have the same ideas as the person who speaks or the ideas which a person intends to... 
How many understood what I was trying to communicate last week? All right, so uh, you had ears to hear and you understood how many did not understand what I was saying last week. But you had ears to hear and you heard it but you didn't understand. Hands up. You being honest, you lying spirits out there. Okay, so to hear and to understand. See, so that's the whole thought. Understand and the sense is to support or hold in the mind to comprehend or to have the same ideas as the person who speaks or the ideas which a person intends to communicate. So in verse 13, the first use of the word understand, seeing they see not, they have eyes that they see not, so none so blind as those who don't want to see. Hearing they hear not, none so deaf as those who don't want to hear, neither do they understand. First use of the word understand, verse 13. In verse 14, next use of the word understand, uh, Jesus says, hearing they hear, but they don't understand. So they heard, but they didn't understand. Seeing they see and they don't perceive. Then in verse 15, uh, next use of the word understand, for this people's heart is wax gross, as we saw last week, it's a hard condition, and the first parable is going to be particularly dealing with that. Uh, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in the heart. So it's a heart condition. All right, so the heart, this people's heart is wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart. So the lack of understanding because of a heart condition. Then we go down to verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understands it not, so the lack of understanding, what happens? The enemy comes and takes away the seed, the word of the kingdom that was sown in his heart. Then in verse 23, uh, listen to what Jesus says about the good ground. And as I said, we'll pick this first parable up next week. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it. So verse 19, hears the word, doesn't understand it. Verse 23, good ground, hears the word and understands it and brings forth fruit uh, 30, 60, or 100 fold, 60, 30. Then go down to verse 51, the last reference to this word understand in, in uh, this chapter. At the close of the seventh parable, Jesus said unto them in verse 51, have you understood all these things? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. I wonder if they were really telling the full truth. <laughs> uh, as uh, we'll see that they hmm, really weren't. So have you understood all these things? All right, so the whole uh, thing we want to share tonight is having an ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches, but the absolute necessity of understanding. So understanding comes by truly hearing. Hearing precedes understanding. That's what we're looking at. Now, I want you to turn to a couple of illustrations here, just for your encouragement, because uh, one of the, one of the uh, difficult things I've had to ask the Lord to give me grace over the years uh, is that being a teacher, uh, how many times people have said to me, we don't understand a thing you're talking about, Kevin, you're way over our heads. And in America, uh, when I first went there, Brother Dick Iverson actually said, Kevin, people don't know what you're talking about, you're way over their people's heads, too much word, back off the word. So when I came back to Australia one time, they said, what's happened to Kevin? He doesn't preach and teach the word like he used to. He looks like he's backslidden. Uh, I said, no, it's not that, because I found every year in Bible college, uh, kids uh, coming out of the educational system knew more and more, uh, they, they, they knew more and more, less and less than everything about nothing. And uh, they were becoming more illiterate. 
so illiterate were they in Bible college that we had to uh, have uh, English teaching and put them through English exams because they didn't have a clue what we were talking about. And so each year I found I had to back off the word and give less of the word and break it down. And so I've had to ask the Lord to help me and I often say this that sometimes even in Waverley people said, we don't understand a thing Kevin's talking about. I said, well, I only preach about 25 times in the year. You have plenty of variety of ministries and if you don't get something out of me, when talking to one of the elders once, uh, he said to me, well, uh, they don't understand a thing you're saying. I said, thanks for the word of encouragement. I said, well, who do they understand? And they said, well, they like brother so-and-so. I said, well, why do you think that is? Well, I asked them and they said, because he's funny, he makes us laugh. <laughs> and a great encouragement for me. <laughs> Tremendous. And that's why I always wanted to be an evangelist, that you could run up and down the aisles. Uh, You know, have to have a special anointing for that, see, <laughs> instead of being a dry old teacher. All right, so that's one of the things I've had to get the victory over and say, well, I'm not God, I can't meet everybody's need, and that's why God's put a, a variety of ministries in the body. So the sooner you get the victory over that, if you're called to be a teacher, the better. Everybody said amen. All right, now I said all that to say this. I want you to look at a couple of examples where even disciples, when Jesus himself was there, the perfect communicator, the master teacher, even the disciples didn't understand some of the things he said. So let's look at that just for a moment here. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 15. When I went to school, they told me X was the unknown quantity in algebra. It still is. I never did find out what X was. It still is the unknown quantity to me. But they gave me a certificate because they wanted my seat in school. You know, tremendous encouragement. All right, Matthew chapter 15. And uh, just glance over quickly because we've got a lot of material to cover. Verse uh, 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. So here we have it again. Hear and understand. And he that hath ears to hear, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand. So he calls the multitude and says, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then came his disciples in the, after the meeting and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they had heard this saying? Have you never read the book, How to Win Jews and Influence Pharisees in Six Easy Lessons? Uh, but he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind. I don't want that type of leadership in this church, do you? And if the blind lead the blind, they're both going to fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said to him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Don't you understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth whether it's pork or shrimp or crayfish that feeds on the filth, goes into the belly and is cast out in the draught. Isn't Jesus, doesn't he handle that nice? Uh, lovely language, old English language, goes out into the draught. Everybody knows what that is, don't you? Um, it's very cute the way Jesus handles these things. I mean, we would be a little bit, uh, you know, more doctorish. Anyway, back to the Bible. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man, for out of the heart proceed these things. And so his whole point there is they didn't understand the parable of, the, uh, uh, of, of, of what goes into the man. 
and, uh, and what actually defiles the parable, parable of defilement. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16 while you're so close. And it's just interesting to go through the Gospel of Matthew about this whole uh, point of understanding. Matthew chapter 16. In verse uh, 6, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we've got no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O you little faith, why reason you among yourselves? Because you've brought no bread. Do you not yet understand? You dum-dums, you dingalings. That's what he'd probably say today in Australian, Jewish Australian. Don't you remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? And the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I'm not speaking to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood how they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So how many feel encouraged that the disciples had Jesus, the master teacher, and didn't understand some things? Parable of defilement and about a little Kevin, Kevin of the a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump. They didn't understand those things. Lack of understanding. One other scripture just on that thought. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And uh, once the Pharisees had uh, agreed together with the council to crucify Jesus, Jesus began to talk to his disciples about the cross. And uh, they just didn't understand what he meant by the cross. Luke 18, and uh, pick up in verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. Other gospel says they were afraid to ask him. They didn't want to show their ignorance. Well, don't be afraid to ask me. I already know you're ignorant. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> no, don't be afraid to ask me because if I don't know the answer, I'll send you to the Lord who does. All right, so all through the Gospels we see how uh, the disciples, even though they had Jesus with them, they're, they're slow of understanding. They, they hear and they hear, but they don't understand. They reason among themselves, try to figure it out and so forth. So, uh, you know, they were with Jesus. Well, he was the best and most perfect communicator. Now, why don't you turn over to a verse in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, every one of us, we just have to be honest. When we're born into the world, we know everything about nothing. We are born totally ignorant. Everybody said Amen. That was a very weak amen. Some of you intelligentsia, you were born ignorant. Amen? amen? Right. Okay, so as you look at Ephesians chapter 4, glance your eyes over verse 17 and 18 because this is the whole problem. When God created man, placed him in the Garden of Eden, in the, uh, we're told in the book of Genesis chapter 3 that in the cool of the evening, God came to talk with man and there was no communication gap, no understanding gap between God and man. Uh, before sin, man's mind was brilliant. I mean, he was so brilliant before the fall that God created the animals, but he brought all the animals unto Adam and Adam named them. God didn't name the animals. Now, I wouldn't have known what to name. Some of them I've given bad names to, but 
but uh, especially when the dog comes in and messes up your garden and so forth. See, so, but, but man had, an, had a brilliant mind. It was unbeclouded by sin. And uh, what happened when uh, the serpent came into the garden and, and uh, tempted the woman and the man to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a tree to be desired to make one wise, instead of man rising to the height of wisdom and knowledge, which he thought he'd get in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he fell to a state of ignorance. And all of us born in sin, shape and iniquity, we are ignorant when it comes to the things of God. And this is what our condition is, even though Paul's writing about the Gentiles, but the truth is true of all of us, everyone outside of Christ. Verse 17, Ephesians 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, see the emptiness of their mind, having the understanding darkened, no light, no illumination, the understanding was affected being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. So though man sinned for knowledge and the tree desired to be make one wise, man actually fell into a state of ignorance when it comes to knowing God and the things of God. And so we're not born with that desire after God, we're not born with the understanding of God, so God has to come to us and, and uh, bring about the miracle of the new birth to help us understand and see, the tragedy in, in the Gospels was that the religious leaders uh, didn't want to understand what Christ was saying. They had their Babylonian Talmudic tradition, traditions and interpretations of the Word of God. And so when Jesus came along about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and when they started to realize what type of a kingdom it was, then in chapter 12, and see chapter 12 of Matthew precedes chapter 13. Everybody agree with me on that? And that's profound. But it's so important because in Matthew chapter 12, the Sanhedrin has gathered together and taken counsel how they're going to kill Jesus and crucify him. So the moment they get to that, from Matthew chapter 1, his birth onwards through that, Jesus has been teaching in very clear manner. But the moment we get to chapter 12 and the council gets together, the Sanhedrin, that they're going to crucify Jesus, Jesus changes his whole method of communication, his method of teaching, and switches to, to parabolic teaching, which we'll talk about in a moment. And from Matthew chapter 13 on, in Matthew we have actually about 12 kingdom of heaven parables. And so he, he veils the thing and we'll see the purpose of that because they're, they're, they're going to crucify him. So no longer does he speak clearly, he uses parabolic language because they didn't want, uh, want to understand. And as Jesus said, hearing they hear, they don't understand because of a heart condition. So that's the whole, whole uh, business here. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. And I want you to look at three words that are used in here. And I'm using old King James here. Uh, on this part here, particularly, there's three particular words that Jesus uses about the parables, and I'm going to put them on, uh, put them on the overhead here just to help us. Let's uh, pick up the verses first of all. Matthew chapter 13. And the three words that Jesus uses. And this is why it necessitates us hearing and understanding because of the means of communication and the method of teaching that Jesus is using here. So, number one, verse three 
and verse 13. He spake many things unto them in parables. Everybody say parables. Parables. All right, number one. Verse 13 uses the same word. Therefore speak I to them in parables. All right, so the first word we want to look at is the word parable. Let's go down now to verse 11, or back to verse 11. Jesus uses another word. And I want you to keep this in mind because you're going to probably question me as I go through on some of these parables. And say, well, Kevin, how do you get that? Uh, you know, well, we're dealing with, with these things. Parabolic teaching, verse 11. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know, what's the next word? The mysteries. Okay, the mysteries of the kingdom. So these are parables of the kingdom. Number two, they are mysteries of the kingdom. And then the third expression I want you to pick up is found in verse uh, 34, 35 from Old King James. Uh, please remember the word I'm looking at. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Let's go over to uh, Psalm 78 for a moment, Psalm 78, where that is being quoted from. Psalm 78. So the psalmist says this was a prophet, which was spoken by the prophet. So the one who wrote Psalm 78 is speaking prophetically. It's a psalm of Asaph, Psalm 78, and uh, verse 1 and 2 will be sufficient. Psalm 78, verse 1 and 2. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So you'll notice, give ear, he that hath an ear, the Gospels, and he that, uh, he that hath ears, Gospels, and he that hath an ear. Notice he uses the word in singular and plural. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter, and this is the third expression I want you to note, dark sayings. Dark sayings. Let's look at them on the overhead here and just comment on them. Okay, so three things that Jesus uses about this understanding of the word of the kingdom. Number one, a parable or parables. The parables of the kingdom. Number two, the mysteries of the kingdom. And number three, dark sayings. All right, I'd like to give you a definition of each of these here. And uh, probably most of us have heard this over the years. A parable, just a very uh, simple definition here without getting too heavy. Parable is a short, simple story from which a moral lesson may be drawn. Okay, so definition of a parable, I want to give you uh, two definitions there. A parable is a short, simple story from which a moral lesson may be drawn. And then probably the most common... Uh, a definition I've heard over the years, and I think, I think it's very good. It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, that's important. It's very simple, but it's an excellent definition. So, two definitions of the word parable. A short, simple story from which a moral lesson may be drawn. Or it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Theologically speaking, a parable is a fictitious, by fictitious we don't mean fiction, but a fictitious but true to human life story. 
that is designed to illustrate by way of comparison some spiritual truth. So theologically speaking, parable is a fictitious but true to human life story that is designed to illustrate by way of compassion, comparison some spiritual truth. All right, number two, the second word that Jesus uses here is uh, referred to as the mysteries of the kingdom. So as we begin next week on the parables, so I want you to keep this in mind, okay? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So we're going to look at the earthly story. We want to discover the heavenly meaning. We want to discover the moral behind it as we look at the uh, various parables. And then the second word here, they are mysteries, the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, definition of mystery, it's important because, see, the moment we think of mystery, we think of something mysterious, something which is hidden, something which is veiled or concealed or we can't, can't perceive, we can't understand it. No, that's not the uh, Greek meaning of the word mystery in the New Testament. In fact, uh, this, this lends itself to a whole series. There are actually 17 mysteries particularly referred to in the, in the New Testament. And we, I don't want to name them all, but we can think of the mystery of Israel's blindness. What about the whole Jewish problem? The mystery, uh, I would not have you, history that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles becoming. That's a whole, uh, several sessions in itself there. Then we think of the mystery of godliness. What is the mystery of godliness? Think of the mystery, the mystery of iniquity that already work. Uh, we think of the uh, mysteries, the seven mysteries of the golden candlesticks, the lampstands, the mystery of the seven churches, mysteries of the parables of the kingdom and so forth, and uh, the mystery of the faith, uh, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, so many things here, the mystery of God, the mystery of Babylon the Great. In fact, this is very interesting. There, of all the 17, 18 mysteries I've got listed here, of the 18 mysteries in the New Testament, only two of them are referred to as great mysteries, and they both refer to, uh, to, uh, uh, to women. <laughs> Isn't that good? When he speaks about, <laughs> are you women, you should be encouraged. I mean, you're great. Now, you see, you took that negatively, didn't you? So you're not listening, you're not understanding, okay? You took that negatively. Now, great. You turn to your wife and say, you're a great mystery. Uh, <laughs> you, just uh, emphasis on the great, okay? okay. Uh, when he speaks about the church as the bride of Christ, he said, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and his church. How many think the marriage of Christ to his church is a great mystery? And it's great. So don't take it negative, ladies. Pat yourself on that. I'm great. I'm a great mystery. So don't get mixed up with the wrong great. Okay? So mysteries, here's Young's Concordance definition. So we're not speaking of mystery, that which is unknown or unrevealed. But uh, Young's Concordance is very simple but beautiful. It means that which can only be known to the initiator. He answered, said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries, or to know that which can only be known to the initiator. And who is the one whose ministry is it to initiate us into the things of God? How I many you know the Holy Spirit? See, so it's the initiation. And back there in those days, there were so many pagan temples and uh, uh, those who wanted to become involved in the temple order. They had to go through initiation rites. Well, I'll tell you what, you and I are the temple of God. And if we want to become part of the temple order, how many want to become part of the temple order, how many are a part, then we have to be initiated into the mysteries of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who is the one who initiates us. 
Okay, so it's not something hidden and, uh, and that, but it's something which is only known to the initiated. We're talking about understanding. All right, the third word here is the expression, dark sayings. Or the, uh, Matthew says, uh, secret things, things which have been kept secret, but dark sayings. Listen to the definition of this word here from the Old Testament, where, it, where it's quoted from. A dark saying, I'll read the statement and try and uh, condense it. A dark saying is a saying that is hidden that hides important truth, but Young's concordance uh, uh, gives the meaning as this, and it's very simple but very profound. It is, uh, a dark saying is a knot, K-N-O-T, that is, a knot. It's a knot or an acute hidden saying or thing that has to be unraveled, okay, untied. Let me say it again. So a dark saying, it's a knot, K-N-O-T, that is, it's an acute hidden saying or thing that has to be unraveled and untied. We look at the, when we get into the parable parts, we're going to have to untie and unravel some of the things in order to understand what the Lord Jesus is talking about because I think it's very significant that Matthew 13, uh, have you got your Bible open to Matthew 13 still? Just, just compare something here. In verse 1, and same day, and I emphasized this last week, the significance of it, <coughs> the same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now, the language, the same day when Jesus out of the house, so he's out, out of the house. Now, I want you to listen to that. And he sits by the seashore goes into the ship and sits, so many S's here, I'm speaking in tongues, uh, while the multitude's on the sand of the seashore. <laughs> yes. But then, <laughs> uh, that's not on my notes, it's just, uh, this, I speak this by permission, not by revelation. Go down to um, verse 36 and you'll see the contrast. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him in the house now and said, Hey, come on, Jesus, tell us about the parable of the, the tares. We don't really get that one. So what I'm saying here is that Jesus went out of the house and gave a couple of, the, uh, of parables, certain ones which are interesting, to the multitude. But then he went back into the house and gave understanding to the disciples in the house. That's uh, loaded with significance there. In the house, out of the house, to the multitude, to his disciples. I don't want to just be in the multitude that hear things and not understand. I want to be with the disciples in the house and say, Lord, tell us. I want us to understand. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay, very, very significant act there. Going out of the house, coming back into the house. All right, now. Let's uh, go to number four here, the next thing I had here. In, uh, in, as we work through the parables, we're going to find that Jesus uses what I've got on the overhead, uh, I refer to as the language of the symbol. Those of you, how many have done key knowledge seminar? Okay, so those of you who have done that will understand. So number four, the language of the symbol. I want to give you a proposition, and all this foundation is necessary for you to understand what we're going to be picking up next week. Now, in our Key of Knowledge seminar, we refer to the symbolic principle, and uh, this is how it goes. 
In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and I have to move quickly here, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we find we have just the basic details of creation. God just gives two simple chapters to creation. Genesis chapter 3 to the rest of uh, Revelation, it deals with redemption. Amazing how scientists and people in the world spend all their lifetime studying two chapters, so to speak, in creation and miss the whole plan of redemption. God wipes over the whole of creation in two chapters, but he gives the rest of the Bible to redemption. What do we value most, creation or redemption? How many value redemption? So in the first two chapters, the Lord talks about this, the trees and the sun, moon, stars, birds, seeds, beasts, man, animals, plants, herbs, and so forth, all of the things that were made in creation. But then from Genesis chapter 1 and 2 onwards, this is the proposition here. God takes the language of creation and uses, uses it as the language of the symbol, which becomes the language of redemption. This becomes God's secret code for either concealing or revealing truth of the listener. Let me say that again. That, to me, I felt really inspired on that. I think that is so profound. How many think that's profound? If you don't, I do, because I wrote it. Okay. So, God takes the language of creation and uses it as the language of the symbol, which becomes the language of redemption. This becomes God's secret code for either concealing or revealing truth according to the attitude of the listener. I wonder how many went home that day and said, oh, what was the big teacher talking about? Oh, nothing really, Sunday school stuff. He's talking about, oh, something about a guy sowing seed and birds got it and, uh, oh, some fellow looking for pearls. Ah, oh, just Sunday school stuff, nothing in it. And there was a funny one he talked about, parable of uh, wheat and tares and the treasure hidden in the field and uh, oh, nothing in it, just kid stuff, really. But the disciples came unto him and said, Jesus, this is more than a Sunday school story. Tell us behind it. So all through the parables, Jesus, and you have to understand this because when we move into next week, I want to put, and I'm making you take your own notes here, I want to put the the, 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 the uh, symbols in each parable and let's see if we can discover the interpretation of the symbols because Jesus only interpreted about two parables and there's a bunch of uninterpreted parables and you're going to say, Kevin, what authority, what right do you have to interpret the uninterpreted parables? Okay, if you don't understand the first one then you're going to say, well, okay, you mightn't even turn up anymore, I don't know, I had to do Okay, so the language of creation. So he takes birds and seed and sun and uh, fish and pearls and the dragnet and uh, tears and all this type. He's using the language of creation which becomes the language of the symbol and it's the language of redemption because we're dealing with the word of the kingdom. But it becomes God's secret code because they heard it, didn't understand. Say, oh, Sunday school stuff, that I didn't get a thing out of Thursday, Wednesday, what night is it, Wednesday night? Yeah, so forth. But it conceals or reveals truth according to the attitude. So the multitude heard it, never understood it. So the same parable that was used to reveal truth to the disciples who had ears here, blessed are your eyes for they see, blessed are your ears for they hear, and your heart for you understand, because many prophets would like to have seen and heard what you're seeing and hearing. So the same parables that reveal truth to the disciples conceal truth to the multitude. And, you know, one of the things that grieved me as a teacher is that this happens in every meeting. Every meeting. 
There are those that hear, never understand, and never get it. Once you, our time's just about up. I want you to turn over to uh, Luke chapter 24 just as we finish. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. If you've got James, on you King James, I think it's consistent with the word I want. I want you to pick up this word as we bring our... our uh, our session to a close tonight and that's the use of this word open let's look at verse 16 okay I'll put it on the overhead but try and look at your Bible if you haven't already marked this in uh, Jesus is on the way away to Emmaus and two of the disciples there and in verse 16 we're told Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were holden that they should not know him so he's right there walking with them he's in their midst but they don't recognize him. And how often that happens into a meeting. Presence of the Lord can be right there and some people are blessed to death and others are blessed to life. Others feel the presence of the Lord, others didn't get a thing out of it. Jesus right there with them and they didn't, their eyes were holding. So when you get down to verse 31, 32, 44 and 45, you see the use of this word open, if you haven't marked it from previous occasions, note the use of it in verse 31 as Jesus is taking the bread, blessing it and break it and giving it to them, it says their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. So the opening of the eyes. Blessed are your eyes for they see. They have eyes but they see not. Verse 32, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn? I don't want to, I have heartburn. How many have heartburn? Don't want to be healed. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? So the opening of the eyes, the opening of the scriptures. Week by week, this, we're endeavoring to open the scriptures because the scriptures are a closed book. It's a sealed book. Unless the Lamb opens it to us. Everybody said amen. And then on top of that, you can have your eyes opened. Say, yeah, I see that. Isn't that marvelous? You can have the scriptures open it, and yet you don't see it. The thing we need is the opening of the understanding. Listen to verse 44 and 45. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the, number one, the law of Moses, number two, and in the prophets, and number three, in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. Is that your prayer, saints, as we continue on on the word of the kingdom? Open my understanding, open my understanding, open my eyes, open the Scriptures. Let's go to Psalm 119, and this is our... Uh, last uh, word here, Psalm 119, and I recommend that you, through this, like I have in my Bible, underline the use of the word opening, and listen to the, the desire of whoever wrote Psalm 119, so open eyes, open scriptures, open understanding, listen to Psalm 119, verse 34, give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Give me understanding. Verse 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. If you don't understanding, you're not going to learn. Verse 125. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Verse 144. The righteousness of thy testimonies 
is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. One last verse, 169. I come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Six times in that psalm he prays, give me understanding of your law, your commandments, your testimonies, your word. Give me understanding. And that was the prayer of Solomon. He's, the Lord appeared to him that night and he said, ask what I'll give you. And he didn't ask for riches, a long life. He said, give me wisdom, give me knowledge, and give me understanding. And God said, because you've asked for those things, I'm going to give everything else on top of it. But you've got your priorities sorted out. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Is that our prayer, saints, as we continue on this series? Let's all stand. Father, we just uh, come in this closing moment here and we just submit the word that we've shared. And we do depend upon your Holy Spirit to enlighten our understanding. We just pray with the disciples, Lord, that as you open their eyes, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open the scriptures to us. Father, I pray that you'll help me week by week to bridge the communication gap, Lord, and help me to say things clearly and be a good communicator of your word, Lord, and open our understanding that we might understand. Give us wisdom, give us knowledge, give us understanding, not just to give us a head trip and uh, pride of knowledge, Lord, but to change our lives and help us to, to indeed be children of the kingdom. Bless your word to our hearts, Father, and seal it. We pray, Lord, that the word of the kingdom that we've shared tonight, that the birds won't pick it up as we leave this auditorium, but it'll fall upon the good ground and bring forth fruit unto eternal life. We ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.